0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. On May 11th, President Biden formally declared the public health emergency and the national state of emergency for COVID-19 over, despite the fact that, according to scientists, the pandemic is going nowhere. Beyond the relief that we can feel less fearful about transmitting or contracting the virus, there hasn't been much celebrating. I've been reflecting on what that means and where we go from here. These past three years have been a lot. In addition to everyday violence, violation, and vileness, we have lived with an invisible enemy in our midst, amplifying fear. Nonetheless, astonishingly, as a spiritual community, we have thrived. As individuals, it's been a mix. We made the best of it shouldering along, or we didn't. We suspended our longing for the old normal, or we didn't. We are slowly re-emerging. Or we aren't. This morning, I'm going to invite us to give it a beat because I suspect that ignoring what we've been through, the lessons, the blessings, is potentially interfering with getting on with our lives in a vital and truly joyful way. Somehow, we have to burn off our fear, anger, powerlessness and grief. You remember the story of my friend Anita falling five stories as a child and living to tell about it. Her grandmother said, God saved you for something. Whether or not it's true, that attitude can inspire us. Let's make something of this gift the present. Let's see if we can return to celebrating wholeheartedly. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, occurs in the wake of a threatening event or events that strip us of our agency and our means of escape. When we lack sufficient resources to process traumatic events or fail to integrate our trauma, we become trapped in a repeating, disabling loop. Less widely known, but equally powerful, is post-traumatic growth, PTG. It was first named in the mid-1990s by psychologists Richard Tedeschi and Lawrence Calhoun, who identified the fact that not everyone who survives trauma develops PTSD. Instead, they experience growth in five major domains relations with others, new possibilities, personal strengths, spirituality, and appreciation of life. It's important to note that post-traumatic growth occurs from an active, engaged process of dealing with a stressor, not the stressor itself. In other words, not because of the trauma, not, sorry, not in spite of the trauma, but because of it. Psychologist David Feldman, co-author of Super Survivors, The Surprising Link Between Suffering and Success, writes, trauma survivors who experience PTG acknowledge their own anger and grief and are realistic about what happened to them. But in the midst of their pain, they're able to ask, given where I am in my life, How can I build the best possible future? I want to be quick to say that it's important not to invalidate anyone's experience of trauma, which is what the COVID pandemic was. It may be impossible for some of us to make any sense of all the loss of loved ones, health, financial security. It's just too much. If this is you, it's important to honor, your deep grief. The only way out is through. But I want to suggest that many of us might choose to interpret our experience of the pandemic through that lens of post-traumatic growth and grow from it. Especially during the lockdown, we all experienced powerless over things we used to think we could control from the profound to the mundane. For me, visiting my mother in the nursing home, impossible. They wouldn't let me in. Getting a haircut, impossible. The salon was closed. The list is very, very long. But then, if we're willing to engage that possibility of post-traumatic growth, what really matters will come into sharp focus. First on my list is all the creative ways we managed to stay connected together while apart. First and foremost, of course, was Zoom. And that's not going away, though I'm grateful to be able to mix it up with some in-person connections. And then there's this newfound gratitude, or a very much amplified gratitude about so many things we took for granted in the before times. Before, I couldn't have imagined not hugging my adult children. During, they wouldn't let me near them. We saw each other at a distance outside. They kept their masks on. And now, there's this whole new joy in being together. I pray I never take it for granted, and I'm so grateful. Also on my post-traumatic growth list is what fell away during the pandemic. Do you have examples of things you've released that you held on to out of fear or guilt? For several years, one of our daughters had been in and out of the same terrible relationship but somehow in March of 2020, she really got what being locked down in the spa- same space with this guy 24 7 might look like. And miraculously, the fog cleared and she bought him a one way ticket home to California. Bless and release. Does the lens of post traumatic growth resonate with you? Or does it sound like a pathetic attempt to justify senseless suffering? I am keenly aware that a parent expressing gratitude for how their child thrived in school will inadvertently shame another parent whose child failed. A wedding invitation will hold up a painful mirror to the long marriage that finally succumbed to the fault lines exacerbated beyond repair. Mario Kratzios, a social worker in private practice who specializes in the treatment of trauma, writes, one way to hold space for our disparate experiences is to recognize that seemingly contradictory ideas can be true at the same time. We can remember that the deepest pain from unfathomable loss can coexist with the awe of unexpected blessings and everything in between. She continues, I would encourage us all to remember that many of our silver linings have occurred, not in spite of the pain of the past years, but rather because of it, and that much of our collective post-traumatic growth is still to come. We can create space for both the grieving of immense loss and the positive affirmation of change. She concludes, I've seen firsthand how powerful staying rooted in this notion of intentional growth can be. It pushes away nothing, clings to nothing, and frees us up to move forward. In September of 2005, I performed a wedding for Arlington Street's Judith Lorai and Laurie Rhodes. It was memorable for many reasons, not the least of which is that they themselves, in the midst of a very happy occasion, invited their guests to recall the 13th fairy. You remember the story of Sleeping Beauty. 12 fairies come to celebrate the christening of the princess the 13th fairy is omitted from the invitation. Offended by the oversight, she exacts her revenge. For us, Judith and Lori said, the 13th fairy represents the lessons we call forth when we get too comfortable, when we fail to make room for the mysterious, the unconsciously neglected, the disowned. The 13th fairy shows up to spoil the party. We begin to think we have the right to pick and choose among life's blessings, many of them disguised, and avoid demanding, difficult, or scary ones. When we're inviting blessings upon our marriage, they continued, we want to make sure that we quite intentionally invite that which we don't know, which we might prefer to ignore, for which we probably don't even have a name yet. The truth is, the 13th fairy always shows up at the party anyway. Uninvited, she brings the curse of perpetual sleep. Let's find out what she brings when greeted with reverence and invited in. Let's ask for her blessing and helping us to remain open and awake to life, to ourselves, and to each other. In so many ways, our lives are defined not by the challenges we face, but how we respond to them. I think of four strategies we can use not just to bounce back, but to bounce forward. Not just to survive, but to thrive. First, there is naming and honoring our strengths and celebrating our agility, ingenuity, and resilience. Our tech team savants aside, how many of us could have imagined the relationship with our technology from which we now benefit? Second, and this is really a whole sermon, (laughs) The pandemic proffered the opportunity to rewrite the stories that we tell about ourselves. Psychology has defined something it calls our assumptive world, an elaborate mental map we make that helps us to make sense of things, who we are and how we fit in. Trauma knocks our assumptive world off its axis as our assumptions conflict. With reality. We're in shock. My best example of this is that I was called to Arlington Street to lead, but suddenly when COVID hit, I had absolutely no idea where we were going. Was that a light at the end of the tunnel or was it a train? Reconstructing a shattered, assumptive world asks that we incorporate the new with the old and celebrate the strength that emerges from our powerlessness. There has never been more shared ministry than there is among us now. Sometime after each Sunday service, I read the Zoom chat, and I am deeply moved by the ways you reach out to each other, checking in, extending your care and love, sometimes to people you've never met. The pandemic was the final death knell for the Lone Ranger model of ministry. Third, we will thrive when we seek ways to transmute our suffering into service. Holocaust survivor, neurologist and psychologist Viktor Frankl wrote, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds meaning. Surprisingly, this lesson came to me courtesy of my father. As many of you know, my relationship to him was a source of a lot of shame and sadness. And his death from COVID in January of 22 brought me no small measure of relief. Nonetheless, when he was turned away from the hospital, and perished at home, alone in a raging snowstorm, it was clear to me that no one, no one should have to die that way. My position on the founding board of the Lily House, a hospice house we're building on Cape Cod, which will be open to everyone and free for all, is a way for me to see my father's death as a cautionary tale from which I can help change the trajectory for others. Years ago, waiting to process in to Reverend Kate Wilkinson's installation as the minister to our congregation in Provincetown, Massachusetts, I was standing right in front of singer-songwriter Pete Donnelly. We had a brief, intimate exchange in which Pete shared that times were tough. I assured him with words I'd learned from Arlington Street's May Cheever of blessed memory, where one door closes, another door opens. And without missing a beat, Pete deadpanned, yeah, but it's hell in the hallway. And then he went on to play some absolutely exquisite music for Kate. Those of us who have found the next door opening can offer a hand to those who are still in the hallway. And although things might still be hard, they are less hard in good company. And that's the fourth way we can foster post-traumatic growth. Reach out, stay in touch, and devote yourself to your relationships. Notably, a robust network is one of the strongest predictors of PTG. We can start right here fostering and forging meaningful relationships, which, by the way, are more meaningful for having been through something hard together. And remember to plan some fun now that we can. Beloved spiritual companions, may we embrace what we've survived and choose to thrive, not in spite of everything, but because of everything. The 13th fairy always shows up at the party anyway. Uninvited, she brings the curse, of perpetual sleep. May we engage the possibility of staying awake, naming our strengths, rewriting our stories, seeking ways to put our suffering into service, and staying deeply connected. For me, the difference between PTSD and Post-traumatic growth. Just one thing, really. You. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. From American poet Mae Sarton, every day now we meet it Face-to-face, every day now, devotion is the test. Through the long hours, the hard, caring nights, we are forging a new union. We are blessed. As closed hands open to each other, closed lives open to strange tenderness, we are learning the hard way. Who says it is easy, but we have the power. I watch the faces deepen all around me. It is the time of change, the saving hour. The word is not fear, the word we live, but an old word, suddenly made new, and we learn it again, and we bring it alive. Love, 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 love. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen.